2: Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan.
3: So really trying to understand what the consumer sentiments are out there for what they're trying to get from the dinner occasions or any other celebratory moments. So it's truly understanding the data and how do we bring it together? Really learning from the retail media, from the voice of the consumer.
4: Consumers are spending more dollars to purchase fewer products, and this is affecting all CPG companies. Although Ms. has fared quite well in maintaining and even growing our volumes, we are going to have to get back to basics and find activities that will drive unit sales.
1: Welcome to today's episode of
5: Brave Commerce. I'm Rachel Tippograph, the founder and CEO of Micmac. I'm Sarah Hofstetter, president of Profitero. And this is a show that talks about what's relevant in e-commerce for the world's biggest brands. Sarah, it feels like we should revisit one of our favorite topics, probably monthly, which is where does commerce sit in the organization but this time i don't want to just talk about it from an org structure standpoint i think it's about how do you get c-suite buy-in to recognize that commerce is a huge lever to drive the business forward
1: i was talking to somebody just this week and they were saying that a hundred percent of their growth is coming from digital influence 100% of their growth is coming from the, not necessarily digital conversion, but digital influence. I wonder how they measured that. I could tell you, but I'd have to kill you. Oh, okay. It was a fascinating conversation, but it was actually at our client advisory board event that we had earlier this week. And and then other people were piping in that they all had different ways of measuring digital influence. And the reason why they do that is largely to be able to get executive buy-in on behavioral changes and mindset changes not as much on structural changes. Like our point on org design is a really good one in that, well, of course it is because it's our, our discussion, but it's a good topic because where it sits also, you know, kind of is the instigation for how it flows. But behaviorally, it kind of goes back to that involve me and I will understand mindset. One of the things that really came out in our conversation kind of leads back to the digitally influenced shopper report that, that Prof. Terrell actually put out earlier this year about the role that influence plays, which by the way, Rachel, was survey based. So surveying hundreds of shoppers to say, what role do these different things play for you? So when you go onto, you know, the Walmart app or the Kroger app, or are you doing that while you're in store? while you're home and kind of how does that influence the decision based on you know a variety of factors sometimes it's just like hey i i need the app just to find out what IELTS go in at my local target
5: since we just uh, cited a little profitero thing and knowing when this episode's going to come out tune in micmac mid december for a product release that has to do with digitally influence offline sales but enough about us we are going to bring two experts onto the show who are operators every single day for one of the largest family-owned CPG portfolios, especially within the food and bev space, which is Ms. Can. And what's really awesome is that Sarah and I first reached out to the president CEO Diego, and immediately Diego's like, I want to do this, but there's no way I'm doing this without my head of connected commerce, who is Nia. And so that was just such a large signal that here's a C-suite executive who sees the commerce leader as his key partner to advance the business.
1: We are so happy to have you guys. Just dear friends of Rachel and mine and seeing you guys working together just warms our heart.
4: Thank you so much. We are glad to be here today.
1: Yeah. And to have the two together, this episode may run long, people. Let's just keep it tight. So let's start with you, Diego. You spent a big bulk of your career at SE Johnson. What caused you to stay there 20 years? I mean, that's a long time.
4: It is indeed a long time. I should first say that I'm really glad I stayed 20 years at SEJ. SE Johnson is, is a great company. I think there are three reasons why I stayed in the company for so long. And it's possible that these three reasons are kind of universal and are the reasons that would keep most people in a company for a long time. The first one is that the company values match my own personal values because SC Johnson is a family owned company. They believe in a larger purpose and in doing what is right for the people on the planet. And I really like that. The second one is that the company offered me many opportunities to develop myself professionally. S.E. Johnson has multiple operations around the world. So S.E. Johnson allowed me to have a global career spanning marketing, sales, M&A, and general management. The last one is I always felt I could do meaningful work at S.E. Johnson. S.E. Johnson is a large company, yet I always felt I was able to have a significant impact on the business from day one. Interestingly, Ms. Ken is also family-owned and family-operated, and I see lots of parallels between the employee value proposition of SC Johnson and Ms. Ken. great values and great opportunities to learn.
5: I didn't know the um, M&A part of your story at SCJ, so learn something new every time I talk to you. As the world continues to evolve in CPG over you know, the last 20-plus years, and we talk a lot about this on the show it's really more expensive than ever before to bring a product to market, distribute it, get on the shelves you know, of retailers, get it fulfilled online and offline. As both of you think about going into 2024, what do you see as the headwinds that not just MISCAN has to navigate, but probably FMCG at large?
4: It's indeed a great question. First, I should say that we are having it terrific year this year in Miss However, we are going to have to remain very agile to maintain this momentum into the future. I see three challenges ahead of us and the CPG industry in general. The first one is finding growth beyond pricing. Most CPG companies are showing top-line growth, however, This is mostly driven by pricing. This is going to change because inflation is slowing down and also inflation is driving consumers to change behaviors. Consumers are spending more dollars to purchase fewer products and this is affecting all CPG companies. If you look at recent syndicated data and if you listen to earning calls, everything shows that volumetric, the volumes are declining across the board in CPG. Although Miss has fared quite well in maintaining and even growing our volumes, we are going to have to get back to basics and find activities that will drive unit sales. The second headwind is that inflation is still here. I've been in meetings with retailers and retailers are talking about deflation, but deceleration of inflation is not the same as deflation. CPG companies still need to find ways to cope with the lingering effects of input cost increases in our supply chain. The last headwind for CPG companies that I see is that brands will need to find ways to compete with private labels. Across CPG, private labels continue to outpace national brands in terms of growth. We have our own experience in this area. At Miss we have a thriving private label business on top of our own brands. And this private label business is growing comfortably into the double digits. To compete against private labels, brands will have to focus on offering unique value, superior quality, and distinctive and salient brand equities that set us apart in the market. I would like to invite Nihat to share how our unified commerce efforts are helping Miscan address some of these challenges.
3: Thank you, Diego. As you said, I'll address two of the three that you're addressing above the unit sales as well as competing against the private label. So as we look at driving our sales through the units, we take a very multifaceted approach that includes understanding our consumer behaviors, leveraging our data analytics, optimizing our pricing, investing in some of the key marketing and ensuring that we have distribution efficiencies. As we drive towards all of these strategy, we ensure that our product stands out through our unique features and the quality that we bring to the consumer. Along with that, what we're trying to do is build a community around our brand with the loyalty programs and engaging social media content that includes recipes, ratings, and reviews, which is key to the consumer. We regularly update and innovate our product lines to meet changing consumer needs. So for example, our new Kettle Cooked line, which if you haven't tasted, please make sure you pick up at your local grocer today, is the testament to that quality and the product that we bring to the community. And as we continue to transform digitally, we are excelling to ensure that we're best in class with our online presence and other marketing best practices to amplify our brand and focus on the conversion tactics that would drive sales. As far as a private label, uh, the biggest scheme is to break the value messaging and the proposition for the Ragu brand. It's an opening price point, right? For our brand. And continued visibility through affordable recipe strategy. In recent grocery shop, we heard a lot of our grocers and the retail partners speaking off the recipe strategy that they're focusing on and trying to bring affordable meals to the family of four or bigger families. And we're trying to now drive the same conversion via shoppable media and add to cart for the frictionless experience and also ensuring that ragu brand shows up as the key to those recipes. The strategy for retailer partners and hence participating for us also makes sense. In one of our recent campaigns, you'll notice uh, that we're driving and addressing the mealtime fatigue. So addressing how your 5 to 9 should not be like your 9 to 5. So how do we continue to bring the ease of the mealtime and find the solve for that? Focusing on new innovation and launch is the way to communicate about the great tasting, high quality products that are within the category. And it's without buying the products at a very super premium price points. Our consumers also are shopping the way they're shopping and the value that they prioritize are also changing. Hence, the continued evolution on our part towards the customization and personalization for the consumer is key to success.
1: Let's kind of dive in a little bit more on that, taking a little bit from what you were just saying about how you differentiate from private label, how you develop a healthy relationship with the grocers, as well as building the right story. How do you guys look at that almost? And, you know, I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but the frenemy status, the whole idea of, look, these guys are, are your mechanism for distribution. They're your partners at the same time. They are infringing on that, especially when it comes to certain value brands. How do you reconcile that just, you know, in terms of your mindset as you approach that?
3: Yeah, I can elaborate on that. And I think it's a bit of how do we partner with the retailers? So it's not that we're trying to work against them. I think one thing we can do to challenge and also bring the the value and the heightened focus is by doing the social listening and the community management. So really trying to understand what the consumer sentiments are out there for what they're trying to get from the dinner occasions, or any other celebratory moments. So it's truly understanding the data and how do we bring it together? Really learning from the retail media, from the voice of the consumer. How do we utilize the dynamic creative optimization? In one of my recent meetings with a retailer partner, I was informed that retailers are also looking for branded products. And how do we come together and bring either a private label product and a So in our case, for example, it could be our ragu pasta sauce or Bertoli. And how do we then partner with perhaps a private label protein or a private label pasta? And how do we then create uh, the synergies that we have? So it's a win-win for both.
1: I love how you're thinking about that. And it really kind of speaks to your title of connected commerce. So the way that you're talking about, we're getting feedback from social listening to then feedback into our retailer partnerships, how you work with the retailers on perhaps some bundle scale strategies. Like, There's a lot that you just said that in other organizations can be so easily siloed. So props to to the two of you for thinking more holistically about how that all comes together.
3: I really do think it starts at the top. And Diego, just the leadership that he brings and forces us to think through truly the unified commerce and ensuring that we are not working in silos. I've now been with Ms. Khan for a year. And I think even as a company, for us, we've come a long ways to break down the silos and truly think of sales, marketing, retailer, and our internal other cross-functional partnership as one.
0: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news?
2: Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality.
5: Speaking about the organization, you know, Miscan Can is another family-run business and the family is based in Japan. Yet the the hero product is ragu pasta sauce. So like that, at least in the US, so that's very interesting. I'm curious to hear how the family-owned business and Perhaps the fact that the family is based in Japan shapes the global company culture?
4: That's a great question. And um, let me kick it off and then I pass it to Neha. Let me explain a bit of the background of Miscan. So Miscan is a company with a remarkable story. We are celebrating 220 years. The company is women-owned and women-led and is run by the ninth generation of of the Nakano family, which is kind of remarkable that a company lasts nine generations and keeps on. The company has two principles and these two principles are permeating everything we do. The first principle was established in 1959 and the principle says that we should offer our customers only the finest products. This principle is about maintaining our high level of quality while still looking for ways to make our food even more delicious. The second principle was established in 1974. Again, we kept these principles for over 50, 60 years. The principle says that we should continuously challenge the status quo. This principle is not only encouraging us to swim upstream, but it also pushes us to ask ourselves what it is that we ourselves can do better. Through all these years, as I mentioned before, we still put these two principles at the heart of everything that we do. The second principle of continuously challenging the status quo has been an inspiration for our unified commerce efforts. Neha was talking about how we are working hard to break silos. And I think this was one of the inspirations for us to work to bring functions together to support these omnichannel unified commerce efforts that Neha is leading. And I would invite Neha to see if she can expand a little bit on this.
3: Thank you, Diego. I think you touched right on the money where we truly are. And I think, Diego, in speaking to you yesterday, you mentioned that the way, one way to look at it for our team is truly elbowing our way through the entire organization to make the point on what we're trying to create here is the true ecosystem and holistic approach and the heightened focus on social listening and community management, which truly is the key to understanding the consumer sentiments. And then how do we then build it within how we go to market with innovation? How do we look at supply chain, whether it's partners, you know, online partners through media and United, really truly unified data analytics. One of the key opportunities for us that we work towards is learning and putting agility into action with the insights that we get, whether that's through our MMA studies or multiple other points of data that comes to us. To all aspects of media, omni, shopper, in-store, at every level, to bring it all to the level playing field that's best utilized, the spend across all channels, and how do we maximize our spends? The more we talk about it, and Sarah, you and I have spent countless hours discussing it about retail media and how do you maximize, and retail media is now media. It is a paradigm shift as we all know it. And truly a significant portion of our budget and other brand budgets are now supporting the retail media. So how do we bring and challenge not only ourselves, but our partners for the accountability? that How is it performing in everyone's best interest? Because we want to spend more. So as we continue to shift...
1: Wait, 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 we just heard it. She says she wants to spend more. <laughs> You're about to get calls from every retail media <laughs>
3: We want to spend more as long as there is a return and there is accountability for our partners to truly prove it as well. We do. We want to spend the money where it is. And our MMA studies are really supporting that and truly showing us the direction that we head into. And one of the other big ones for us is PPA. How do we identify the right price, the right packaging, and how do we meet the consumer needs to support the brand and the growth? Let's
1: pivot slightly into like a future state world, which is not that future state. We have all had conversations together about AI and the role that AI can play. There are a lot of different ways that we can tackle a conversation about AI. It could be on product innovation. It can be on data democratization. It could be on, is Gen AI the new search bar? Would love to hear your thoughts as to where you see the role coming for you guys. And the reason I'm asking it just for our audience, the reason I'm asking it specifically to Diego and Aja is this is something that's a really hot topic to them, something they've been thinking about a lot. And so I really do count them as forefront CPG leaders, particularly in the way that they're thinking about the space. So sometimes that sounds like, yo, let's just talk about the latest buzzword. But these things like they actually know what the hell they're doing, and they're asking really thoughtful questions about it.
3: There's three different thoughts come to mind as we look into the future and how AI can play out for our brands. So first of all, if AI becomes so powerful and personalized that it can predict and deliver exactly what the user wants, right? Then the brand loyalty and the preferences might become less relevant. Users would then start to trust the AI to choose the best products for them. And that would be regardless of the brand name or label. In this case, private label products might have an advantage over branded products since they tend to be cheaper, and private label products could also leverage the data and feedback from the AI to improve the products and the services, which is faster than branded products, which might have more rigid and bureaucratic processes. However, on the other hand, if AI becomes more transparent and accountable, and users have more control and the choice over what they buy, then the brand versus private label might still matter. Users would be able to compare and evaluate different products based on their criteria, such as price, quality features, reviews, social impact, et cetera. In this case, the branded products then might have an edge over private label products since they have more established reputations and the trust among the consumers. Branded products in that case could also use the AI to enhance their marketing and innovation strategies and create a bit more of the personalization and the engagement and the experiences for the customers. One other possibility, which in my personal opinion could be probably the least, is if there's a new paradigm for both brand and private label to coexist, where the distinction between the two becomes more blurred or irrelevant. For example, if AI could enable the users to create their own customized products based on their preferences and needs, or to co-create the products with the other users or producers. Overall, I think it can play out in so many different ways. And I think as long as we're all doing what we need to do to uh, continue and amplify our brand relevance and importance and what we stand for, then time will tell how AI plays out. Hope that helps.
4: Building on this and going back to uh, your question, Sarah, your comment about where we are in terms of our AI journey. I don't think we have all the answers here Miss Can, on AI, but we do have lots of questions And we are using an almost deliberate, almost scientific approach to set experiments to increase our understanding of AI, because we believe AI is leveling the playing field between companies of different sizes. So it's an area where we want to learn as quickly as possible.
5: I love the perspective, especially about the strength of brands in relation to AI, brand value. Curious, we have to now ask you both our famous last question, which is, What's the bravest thing you've
4: ever done? I'm an avid listener of Brave Commerce and I love the answers to this question. So in my case, the answer is quite obvious. I grew up in Argentina, alternating between Buenos Aires and the Patagonia of Argentina. I moved to the US uh, more than 25 years ago to pursue my MBA. Um, That was a brave thing for my wife and I to do. Um, Back then my English skills were very limited and I have been married for just over a year. Since the day when we arrived in Durham, North Carolina, over 25 years ago, it has been a great journey. My wife and I lived in five different countries, moved 10 times, and raised three wonderful globally-minded children. So I'm really grateful that we had the courage to embark on this adventure.
3: Thank you, Diego. I think I'll build right on to that. Very similar story, I was young and I moved to United States from Delhi, India 30 plus years ago. Very similarly, even though um, we could speak English, but it was a lot of the British style of speaking English, so it was a bit challenged. Um, it certainly took a lot to build a confidence to be able to speak. So for me to think that I'm doing what I'm doing these now with sales and marketing, I could have never imagined that. But very similarly, education was one of the biggest key. And I always say that if I had stayed in India, chances probably were that I wouldn't be where I am today from the education perspective, from the career perspective. So I thank my parents for making that move for us in the right direction. And now I've been married for 30 years, have two wonderful kids. And um, one of the biggest things that now we are able to pass on to our kids is to be able to travel the world and explore what they can. Uh, moving forward so that was the bravest thing probably that i could do
5: it's pretty amazing i have to say sitting in my seat i have so much respect for both of you but also envy to be able to exist in the world in a multilingual way conduct business be on this
1: podcast and like be be at the top of the game is pretty awesome thank you thank you so much oh wait and also it's so much more than just ragu and Bertoli. Whilst ragu and Bertoli are not kosher, I will say they have a very broad portfolio of many kosher products, but also some of the best rice vinegar, Angostura bitters. There's a lot of really great stuff, so just check out the portfolio because these guys have a commitment to quality and excellence that is unmatched. Thank you.
5: Well, thank you both. If you're not following Miscan, go follow them. Go buy some ragu because it's pretty awesome to see you guys navigate the ecosystem. Thank you. If you like this episode and you want to see another awesome operating duo, please go check out our latest episode with Church and Dwight with the president, CMO, Barry, and the chief digital officer, Sarabi. If you like it, tell a friend, write a review, like us on Apple Podcasts and LinkedIn. See you soon.
2: Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan.
0: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS.